There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Split Opinion with Flora Gill and Amber Rudd. Flora, I think you'll find it's Amber Rudd first. And shouldn't you tell people who we are? Okay, uh, with journalist Flora Gill and failed politician Amber Rudd. (laughs) Or more like the Right Honourable Amber Rudd and her nobody daughter. Okay, wow, taking that to therapy. Each week we'll be discussing topics that split opinion and we'll be trying to convince each other to change their mind. That's right, because here at Split Opinion we think changing your mind should be celebrated. Too often today, people refuse to listen to the other side and have become very dogmatic in their positions. That's something I learned a lot about in the past few years in politics. So we'll be looking at items that have changed our mindset in the last week before picking a subject to delve into. Sometimes they'll be serious, like drug legalisation and prostitution. Other times they'll be less so, like telly and thongs. But we won't be doing it alone. We'll be joined by a guest, an expert, who can help each of us win our particular case. So without further ado, let's get started. So our main topic of the day is should we all be going vegetarian? Uh, In a little bit, we'll be joined by the Bosch boys, Henry Firth and Ian Thisby. After that, we'll be joined by Jeremy Clarkson, the new farmer. But for now, mum, why don't you start us off by telling me something you've changed your mind on recently? I have become passionate about cold water swimming. Oh, didn't know where that was going to go. I am not usually one to kind of pick up a health fad and think it's going to change my life and it's going to make a real difference. But this cold water swimming lock, it's extraordinary. I now go early in the morning, have a swim in the sea, um, in the North Sea, in Suffolk, and you leave that water feeling so energised. Your skin is tingling, your body is ready to go, and you feel you can take on the world. It's an extraordinary feeling. What time is this? About 7 o'clock, 7.30 in the morning. Sometimes I do one in the evening as well, because I just want another little nip of that amazing feeling. Uh, Your enthusiasm is upsetting me. I (laughs) I went swimming this morning, that's why. (laughs) Do you know what I'm doing at 7.30 in the morning? Please don't tell me. I'm sleeping. Of course you are. You're sleeping till midday if you're left to do that. Like a reasonable person, I'm asleep. I I can't think of a... There's a, a group of people 
that I immediately distrust. I'm not saying you're all the worst, okay? I'm sure I could learn to love you and you can prove your shining personality, but people that wake up really early in the morning to exercise are automatically untrustworthy. But I, I agree with that generally. But this <laughs> is different because if you wake up in the morning, you feel a little bit sluggish, a little bit, oh, what I got next, but you actually go swimming and then you come back, you have your breakfast and you just feel fantastic. Flora, I'm going to take you with me next time and you're going to be converted. It's like a religion. You're but going to love it. There is so so no chance of that happening. The only reason I would come with you is to watch it because I don't believe you're actually doing this. I think you're running into the sea, dipping a little toe, shrieking, coming back and then telling everyone about your glorious day swim. Come and see it. You will experience it. Your life will be changed. So Flo, what have you changed your mind about this week? So one of the things I've been thinking about is uh, how you used to make us as children kiss our relatives on the cheeks or kiss and hug them. And I have been reading a lot and I now don't think that's okay. I don't think you should make kids kiss Oh, you're, you're, you're so mean. You know, people uh, might be feeling a bit lonely. They might actually love you and they want a little hug and a kiss. So giving you a little shove towards them to give them a hug and a kiss, what is the problem? I Well, I think... First of all, I just don't like it. I don't want to do okay, it. Can, I, can you just tell me, do you have any particular experiences you want to share with me that you felt were unpleasant? I mean, you know, obviously a bristly beard or somebody smelly a bit. What, was there something specific or was... No, no, there's no specific memory of, of oh, no, that wasn't nice. My issue with it doesn't really come from a specific memory or a specific event. I remember being forced to go kiss older relatives. But my major concern is that I do think it gives children a bad understanding of what consent is and around their bodies. And I think the idea that you're forcing little kids to think it's okay for an adult, really, to say, go kiss that person and you have to do it, teaches them very poorly around when they can and can't say no to adults who tell them to do things. It's much a better lesson to say your body, you're in control. If you don't want to go kiss that gross, smelly uncle, you don't have to. You wait. You wait till you have children, darling. You can't say to a three-year-old or a four-year-old, your body, your control, what are you thinking about before you go and say hello to your grandmother? You hopefully develop a kind of spontaneous approach that they want to kiss them. But if not, a gentle little shove towards the elderly parent is always a good idea. And also, darling, if I can recall, you were quite a big suck-up with my mother, who a Adored you. I was her favourite. Any cousins but listening? If uh, if you thought there was going to be an extra Christmas present or birthday present as a result of it, you would give her a big hug and kiss. There's no question. You were very transactional. What you're saying is that from an early age, I learned how to use affection to get gifts and get my way. I think it, I think it might have been a training for the future. I think your your boyfriend now may be listening to this and get a bit worried. I am very glad that you uh, didn't make us kiss. We didn't do kissing on the lips as children, though. A lot of my friends I speak to used to kiss their grandparents on the lips and things. And yeah, no, that seems very weird to me. Are they damaged, these friends of yours? No more than me. <laughs> okay, so just a little bit. Just then. a little bit. Another thing I've changed my mind on this week that I've been considering is the language we use when we're insulting political figures that we disagree oh, with. Oh, good. Like me. Not you, not no. you. I have no issue with that. Can I, just a moment to say, you, you can hate mum and not hate me. That's a perfectly legitimate <laughs> position. Ask any of mum's exes. I'm delightful. Anyway, um, no, I have an issue with the fact that lots of people take issue with Trump. And let's face it, there's a lot to take issue with. Yes, I there is. I personally don't like a lot of things. But I see people often 
using his weight as one of them or calling him fat or saying things. And I, just, I think that's a bad thing we should be doing. We shouldn't ever, no matter how hateful the person, be talking about their weight as a negative point. OK, well, I agree with you on that. But primarily because there are so many other reasons to criticise Donald Trump for before you move on to any of his personal attributes. But in principle, I don't think we should criticise politicians for what they look like because, as I say, there's enough, there's enough meat always to have a go at somebody if you want to. Let's leave their looks out of it. I mean, the cartoons that are done of politicians, and don't I know something about this, are often really physically mean. Yeah, so is that too far, do you think? Do you think that plays into it? Because I would say that's still punching up, and I think political cartoons are a completely legitimate form of commentary. And the fact that people's appearances come into that caricature is fine as long as that's not the subject that's not the only point that is being made in that cartoon yeah i agree with that i don't well i mean i agree with part of it i don't think you can have any sort of censorship on political cartoons that's what they are cartoons um hang on any censorship no no okay you're fair to pick me up on it some censorship is reasonable i you can't be racist for instance did the guardian ever apologize for that pretty patel cartoon I can't remember whether they did. I certainly think they should have. But I remember writing to the Sunday Times about, with a number, a number of other women MPs about a cartoon, a Gerald Scarf cartoon they had with Ang- Angela Merkel with her bosoms out, with people hanging off her bosoms. It was mm. really narcissist, nasty and, I thought, uh, aggressively sexist. Didn't make any difference. But I think it's right to call them out sometimes. But generally, I think there's free speech for cartoons, but not for your regular abuse of politicians. Have you seen the new spitting image puppets that have been released? Yes, I have. I'm really looking forward to the show starting again. Those are not flattering, though. No, but of course they're not. They're not supposed to be. They're entertaining. They are exaggerating people's worst features. It is absolutely in the tradition of 18th and 19th century political cartoons. Are you sad or glad that spitting image wasn't done when you were Home Secretary? Are you a bit upset you didn't get to see your own puppet? I don't think my puppet would have made anybody who cares about me happy. So I think I've just escaped that one and I think it's a good thing from my point of view. I love that there was a cartoon that um, showed a number of derrieres of different politicians and I remember someone asking if you were okay with it because your bottom was featured, it was quite a large bottom wasn't unaccurate if I may say so but anyway it's actually framed upstairs so you were okay with it I liked all those cartoons unflattering though they were they were always entertaining so I've got them all So now on to today's main topic about whether or not we should all be becoming vegetarians. In a little bit, we'll be joined by the Bosch boys, Henry Firth and Ian Thisby. And then after that, we'll be joined by Jeremy Clarkson to talk about the other side. But right now, I want to know, Mum, you are very much a meat eater. I am. But as a mother, I have had the situation where one of my children not this one, has become a vegetarian for a while, had to tear my hair out trying to find interesting and uh, nutritious things for them to eat. And I'm sure there are many mothers and indeed fathers who've had that experience as well. So I've kind of swayed about whether it's a good thing, whether it's a bad thing. But generally, it's one of those things I haven't really cranked myself up to take seriously. So I'm interested to see how the debate's going to go. What do you think, Flora? 
I very much think that we should all be leaning towards a more vegetarian diet and stopping being and not be so attached to meat. So not have meat for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Exactly. Not have meat for every meal. Uh, I am leaning towards trying to be a flexitarian. Oh, does that mean you have to go to the gym more often? Yeah, I'm very flexible is what it means. No, it means I am basically just being flexible. It, it I'm flexible. Is... I don't have to have meat for breakfast and lunch. I'm already no, a vegetarian. It's people, it's people that are trying to be vegetarian yeah, who, who occasionally eat meat. Okay. I, th- I think that's even still too far, too far for what I'm doing. What I'm doing now is what I've recently introduced, which is that I'm having a meat-free house. So I don't eat meat in my home. I don't cook meat. But if I go out to a restaurant, I will almost always order the meat meal. Or if you come round to mum's. Yeah, then I'm, I'm not going to try your cooking abilities by not letting you cook me meat. <laughs> you never know. Things might change. I might develop a commitment to vegetarianism. I mean, I do agree with a lot of the arguments that are made about climate change, about health, etc. But I feel there are so many things one has to do about one's health and about climate change that maybe I'm not quite ready to endorse becoming a vegetarian as well. You basically just like meat too much. I like meat, but maybe I'm also a flexitarian. Who knows? I like the sound of that. Stop trying to steal my word. Do you know what a vegan is? A vegan is like a vegetarian, only more earnest. That's... (laughs) I mean, it's not untrue. When we were um, young, when we were little kids, uh, we were once in a video shop and there was a... uh, one of the DVDs said The 40-Year-Old Virgin, I think it was. And, oh, maybe That's it, a good film. It's a good film. It might, maybe it wasn't that film. Maybe it was an earlier one. But my brother, who was younger than me and about 12 at the time, asked me what a virgin was. And then I kind of bullied him a bit, as older sisters do. And I was like, you don't know what a virgin is. And then he went, no, no, I do. I do know what a virgin is. A virgin is someone that can't eat eggs or milk. <laughs> Which good. would have been a very different, boring film. I can't imagine Steve Carell yeah, being that, the... That wouldn't have sold as well. Exactly. But a vegan is someone that can't eat any animal byproducts. I see, I see. Do they? Is that also the ones who can't wear leather shoes? Yeah, most vegans uh, also try not to wear any, any animal... I'm not sure I know food. any vegans yet. Uh, when I was little, our babysitter was a vegan. So I used to have ah, a lot of vegan snacks. Cat, cat exactly. Okay. Cat, so we had a lot of, um, a lot of mi- chocolate milk that wasn't dairy a lot of unchopped oh. milk and a lot of jelly snacks i remember that's good uh, and a lot of a lot of celery <laughs> a lot of celery she had a lot of energy maybe that's because she was a vegan yeah i do remember for one christmas i got her a whisk which is the worst present you can get whisk yeah it was like i i used like clay to personalize lots of different utensils for everyone i loved and for her i got her a a whisk that said cat on it and it was all covered in stars and hearts and as I handed it to her I realised she can literally use this on nothing what on earth that's vegan can you whisk but I'm not you're, I'm not sure you're right that veganism excludes cheese I I, I I don't how do you think cheese is made because I remember her eating cheese well then she was a bad vegan okay she was she too was a flexitarian vegans definitely can't eat cheese okay, most fine. cheese almost fine. all cheese all right. I'll take your word for it, but I'd like to find out a bit more about why we should do it and what we can eat. I have to say, I've definitely noticed that far more of my friends are concerned about trying to eat less meat. Many of them are going for the non-meat options. In a way, a few years ago, they definitely would have been bullied for. It it does feel like you're the party pooper if you're going to be the vegan or the vegetarianism. I must say, when I was your age, Flora, there was a chain of vegetarian restaurants and they were called Cranks which basically summed out, summed up what people thought of vegetarianism, that they were all cranks. And they named themselves that? I think they did to draw attention to themselves, but 
Um, nobody would go there, really. It was just a lot of, oh, dear, this is so mean. But I just remember uh, going there once and finding there was a lot of shredded carrot. And that was basically people's interpretation of vegetarianism. But now there's a huge range, but yeah. I'm still not convinced. It used to be that when I went out for dinner with my vegetarian friend, we had to, before going, look at the look at the menu of any restaurant and check it even had a vegetarian option. Whereas now that's definitely not the case. You can pretty much go to any restaurant and there will be a vegetarian meal option i also remember going to review um a vegan i think restaurant with dad uh he did not give it a good review your dad was no friend of vegetarians he was vegetarian for a number of years when he was a teenager oh, yeah, or he went, he went to, to a vegetarian school, school where they only uh served vegetarian food and yeah. i remember him saying that one of his enduring memories was of people who wanted to study vegetarian communities coming to study their poo Oh my god, <laughs> that sounds like a terrible study. But I remember when we, 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 I remember when he was reviewing this vegetarian vegan restaurant. Uh, there was a woman sitting next to us eating her vegan food, wearing the most magnificent fur coat, and I just thought that was such a kind of juxtaposition of That's ideas. That's very good. That's quite a confused statement. Mm, it, it was a bold, bold, bold image to come in and do that. Bold, okay. bold move. <laughs> So now on to today's main topic about whether or not we should all be becoming vegetarians. And here they are. Here's Henry Firth and Ian Theesby, who are joining us in their role as best-selling vegan cookbook authors. They're known as the Bosch Boys, and they really write about how you can become vegan and how you can cook fabulous food. So we thought they'd be great people to join us for this argument about why we should or shouldn't all be vegetarian. Um, so I wanted to know, so uh, this week we've seen more action from Extinction Rebellion. And last time there was a big Extinction Rebellion protest, um, a number of the protesters got called out or in trouble for queuing up for McDonald's. I want to know, can you be an environmentalist and also eat meat? Wow, what a great question to start us off. Straight <laughs> into the meat of it, shall we say. Yeah. Um, I, I think you can be an environmentalist and also eat meat. It's a controversial opinion. You know, we're both completely card-carrying vegan. We wrote a book on it. Um, I think for us as vegans, we actually hang out with a lot of meat eaters and flexitarians. And, and for us, veganism is an ideal. It's something to aim towards. Um, actually, it's, it's very difficult to be 100% vegan. Uh, you will find that there are animal products ingrained in so many different areas of our lives, from the, the five-pound note to maybe some parts on your car or your iPhone or medicines. And, um, and it's very easy to kind of pick holes in the logic of veganism, which is inherently good. Uh, it's about saving the planet. It's about saving animals and also about kind of being against uh, factory farming. It's also about promoting health and well-being um, and compassion. So they're really good messages. And the fact that somebody doesn't always manage to stick 100% to their set of ideals shouldn't be a reason that we poke fun at their really good message. Um, we might not agree with all their methods all of the time, but we are proud friends of Extinction Rebellion. And if some of them have a Big Mac, I don't think it, denote, uh, it 
takes away from the message per se. I, I have to say, even though mom, me and mum disagree over the importance, I am very much trying to be much better about my meat eater. I've got trying to do a meat-free house, even though I don't really obey that when I go out to restaurants. But you're very supportive of people trying. You're not it's all or nothing. Yeah, and listen, we were, we're 36 now and we went vegan at the age of 31, which means it took us to get to our 30s until we made the jump to uh, eating a plant-based diet. So we really, uh, are, we can't sort of like look down our nose at some people at their own uh, choices. But one thing that we would say is like from our personal perspectives, having eaten vegan now for five and a half years, it's fundamentally been the best thing that we've ever done. Um, it like weight drops off you in a really good way. You feel energized and you know that your carbon footprint is being drastically reduced uh, and your, all your food bill has reduced as, as well, which is marvelous. So um, yeah, if someone wants to sort of crack on and eat some more plant-based food, we would strongly recommend it, but we wouldn't like ever tell people off for not trying it. As you live your life, I know I understand how you eat things that are vegan, but do you have to kind of, do you feel compelled to uh, follow it as well in terms of your clothes, your drink and any other products you come across? Yeah, I think, um, and we did write about it in the in the campaign or not campaign book, uh, How to Live Vegan. I think that it's kind of like, we encourage people to take it their own way. And in fact, if you look at the vegan society, they say the same thing. They say, um, try vegan in a way that is, practicable and uh, possible in your own life so maybe don't stress out at the beginning about what your belt's made from or where you'll get your shoes from or whatever um, just try eating vegan once a week three times a week if you start to feel good and it's easy enough maybe you could move up to seven times a week you we definitely don't advocate like killing your whole wardrobe and getting rid of everything because that's unachievable but for us now we do really really strive to make sure every aspect of our life is vegan from our clothes to our uh, methods of transport as far as possible toiletries, um, and toiletries. but as we said it's kind of impossible to do it 100 percent. so we aim for like 99 percent instead well i think you have to because you are the sort of leading lights <laughs> yeah. for everybody else's following it i must say when when i was a sort of your age or flora's age it did feel like veganism or vegetarianism whatever we call it was a kind of wacky alternative yeah. and it's yeah. kind of gone mainstream now in a way that would have been difficult to anticipate then yeah there's that that, that, that joke that you always used to hear and still do hear a bit though that is you know how do you how can you tell whether someone's a vegan don't worry they'll yeah. tell you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think that that joke is definitely true of people who have just gone vegan because it is quite a big thing it's, for instance if you were to get a tattoo and you show people your new tattoo because it's a brand new thing but after having the tattoo on your arm for like two years you've kind of forgotten about it and don't really talk about it too much so yeah i think once people do go vegan they tend to talk about it because it is very very big change to their lives a good change to their lives um but yeah um beginners is good yeah and i'd say it's, it's quite um that that moment let's say that first six to 12 months you're you're in quite a new world mm -hmm. because it's it's a new way of looking at the world. You're shocked. Um, you can, you'd probably end up in a rabbit hole on YouTube realizing just what does happen in factory farms. Mm -hmm. You watch some of those movies. Um, and it is quite shocking. And, you know, on the whole, vegan, veganism is about animals. Um, you know, there are people who are talking about climate change and there are the health aspects as well. But um, a lot of it is about animals. And it isn't that great what we're doing to animals, no. especially not in factory farms. And I think the thing that drives you know, what we call the militant vegans, who are actually just people who are fighting for change, and a lot of them are our friends, um, is this gross belief that there's something wrong with the world and they want to fix it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Um, and it, it will hopefully drive change. 
Um, but I guess where we sit on that whole measure is that Ian comes from a, a family of farmers and we kind of see both sides of the story, mm-hmm. but we want change. So Ian, have you managed to convince any of your farmer-loving family to come over to your side or are they very much still meat eaters? Very much still meat eaters, but um, they're a lot more kind of uh, conscious in the way that they consume. Um, and But now they're almost, um, they, they're also eating a lot less meat than they used to. Like, yeah, my mum and dad will still have a Sunday roast. They'll still have like regular beef in the spaghetti on a Monday, but they will also be proudly WhatsApping me saying, oh yeah, we've just had a vegan meal, where they would have never been doing that a few <laughs> weeks ago, uh, a few years ago. And my sister as well, like she's um, not having dairy milk now. Um, and is eating a lot less meat. So I think that, yeah, we are rubbing off uh, on our immediate family folk, but I think we're also rubbing off on a, on a wider sort of demographic as well because of the social media reach that we've got. So, yeah, it's good. Do you know, actually, one in five um, Britons apparently have been cutting down meat mm-hmm. throughout the pandemic. It's been a kind of a general move to just reduce a little bit throughout this crazy lockdown period we've been through. Yes, well, I have definitely done that. And on the basis of your cooking pretty much every night or somebody in the household is, you know, longer going out or ordering in. We weren't anyway. You've got to experiment. You've got to do some different yes. things differently. So one, one night I did say completely radically, we're going to have a vegetarian evening. There was a sharp yeah. intake of breath from everybody. And my brother-in-law, in fact, sent me a very nice recipe for sort of cauliflower gratin type thing. Ooh, I'm just sort of checking it in my head. I think it, I think it might have qualified under the <laughs> vegan rules. And um, it was very good. I mean, it is, it is the lockdown, I would have thought, will have pushed people a bit more towards thinking about what they're actually eating. I think with the, um, the lockdown thing, I think people have become more aware of their own health as well. Because like, if you're eating healthily, and usually if you're eating a plant-based diet, you're probably going to be eating reasonably healthy, more than if you um, were just eating a basic, regular diet. And uh, yeah, because obviously uh, you need a decent immune system to fight off any potential viruses. So I think people have just been a little bit more wary and a little bit more locked into what they're eating. And um, I think ultimately that's a good thing. Yeah, totally. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Do you think there's anything else that we should be doing or that um, society could be doing to tip people a bit more into taking the vegetarian option, as it were? I mean, one of the issues that people are discussing at the moment is how to get uh, people healthier. And the fact is that non-healthy food is so cheap at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, It's it's a great question. I think that um, encouraging people to eat more fruits and veggies is totally the answer. We like to say, eat the rainbow as a general mantra, um, and we're not talking about sweeties, uh, we're talking about making sure you're getting the kind of reds, the yellows, the oranges, the whites, the purples from plant foods uh, into your body because all of those different colors are kind of a signal that that has got some really good chemicals that are gonna help your body. So encouraging people to eat the rainbow is something that we like to do. I think there is another way of looking at it, which is dietary fiber. You know, we, we all need to get more fiber into our diets. We don't really have enough on a Western diet. Plants are packed with fiber. And actually the vegan diet is probably the most high fiber diet you can get. And so I think if the government or if, you know, the people in charge could just help to amplify the noise a little bit towards more, more of a plant-based diet, maybe meat as a treat, we would move towards a better place. And maybe we could all start to um, understand the vegans a little bit more. Um, and, and, and then we could see that, you know, we could be vegan three days a week, four days a week, five days a week. Um, and we start to kind of tip that balance, reduce the greenhouse emissions a little bit, move towards slightly more sustainable farming and hopefully be healthier. But most importantly, still eat tasty food. I, I can totally see how if you're cooking food yourself, I think if I were going, if I were going to be completely vegan, you can make it just as tasty and you could, you're forced to experiment more. But if I'm going out to a restaurant, the vegetarian vegan option mm. never, ever looks as tasty. If I'm eating, I've eaten in some really nice vegan restaurants. I just don't ever think they're quite as good. And even though I, you know, occasionally have a, um, I can't remember what they're called, the companies that do fake meat burger and they're actually pretty good. I don't think they're as nice as a real nice medium rare burger. How, how do you eat in restaurants as well? We should take the two of you out for dinner. Oh, and, nice. uh, we'll, we'll show you some tasty plant-based grub. Um, I think, look, there is, um, there is a, I think that milk and cheese, and maybe it's to do with the casein, has a certain pow that an effect on the human body and the taste buds and the mind that is probably difficult to replicate in plant-based milk or plant-based cheese, um, at least not unless you were doing it artificially. But you can get some good vegan cheeses and milks out there now. You just have to shop around. The vegan meat alternatives are getting really, really, really impressive. And I reckon we could show you a burger that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Um, I think it's growing, it's getting better. And every pound that we spend is like a vote for the way we want the world to be. So the more that we go to restaurants and order the vegetarian options, order the plant-based options, um, we're kind of putting that demand so that there'll be hopefully be more supply. And as we know, you know, generally plant-based foods have a lower environmental impact than meat-based foods. So if we can tip the balance that way, it'll be good for our planet. And, um, and you'll be changing the world for the better, which has got to be good, right? That'll All taste good. good as well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> But it's the, the, the point you just made of this, the environmental impact. Yes. One of the things that I saw you say is that um, a, a non-meat meal is always more sustainable than a meat meal or has a lower environmental impact. But I don't see how that can always be true. Because what if, you know, if the example that's always given is if I fly an avocado across the world, or for example, if I pick a guinea pig off my floor and eat it, 
Like, that's going to be fun, far that, better. That never happened. <laughs> it actually yeah. kind of... They died before you could eat That's them. a viral video okay. right now. Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't I, us that said it, by the way. It was um, Joseph Poor, who is a lead researcher at Oxford University. And um, he did the biggest study ever of global farming systems. He actually started it because he was a meat eater and wanted to know what kind of meat was sustainable for him to eat. And over the few years that he was running that study... He actually turned vegan and the, essentially what he found was that all animal products, let's say you're talking about a slab of beef, you know, they all have a larger environmental footprint because transportation actually makes up quite a small amount of a food's environmental footprint, um, carbon footprint. Most of the carbon footprint comes from the food that was used to rear that animal the water, the processes that were used to rear that animal. I think it's about in the region of 10% um, is down to the transportation and everything else is things like the soy that that animal was fed or the trees that were deforested in order to grow that soy, in order to feed that animal, etc., etc. By and large, in fact, not by and large, without exception. And the graph is there. You can Google it online. Just look for Joseph Poor, study, Oxford, um, you'll find it you've literally just got all of the animal products at the highest carbon emissions end of the spectrum and all of the plant-based products at the lowest end of the spectrum. So even an avocado, um, you know, that has been shipped across would probably be better for you to eat than um, that kind of slab of meat. Yeah, and but that's, isn't that because the animal is, you know, being created for the meat? Animals obviously have a bigger sustainable impact because they eat everything but if an animal is already in the wild and then you shoot it in the wild and eat it that's actually very low sustainable unless you killed all the animals in the planet and then that would be very little sustainable impact i guess so um it's just that's not possible for all of us you know there's there's like how many billion humans on the planet seven billion ish and we can't all eat like that so there are a few people who might be able to justify um you know they've got a sheep in the back garden and it just happened to be there um but generally, as a whole, as a society, we can't eat that way. Mm. Uh, so we have to look for more sustainable ways of eating. Um, and, we, and it's not difficult because the food's delicious. And we've really enjoyed your books. And it's lovely to talk to you. What are you up to next, can I ask? Oh, well, right now, um, we're, you can't see, but we're in our kitchen where we've spent about the last six months. <laughs> it's kind of like a cellar. Um, but it's actually perfect for making our, our recipe videos. So Ian has this morning um, been making some food. He's been making a peanut ice coffee, uh, which is absolutely delicious, mm. and a millionaire's shortbread. So there for our new book, Speedy Bosch, which comes out in September. And we're also um, going to be launching an online platform to make people's lives a lot easier uh, for eating healthy food, and that's going to be dropping real soon too. So just keep your eye on Bosch.tv. Oh, and we've got food in stores as yeah. well. That's the final thing. <laughs> so we've been... Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's um, it's obviously Bosch is all about showing people tasty recipes, um, but also we always wanted to get into the supermarkets and provide solutions for people. And so um, yeah, we've been working on that too, which is very exciting. Flora, can we just clear up here what happened with the guinea pigs? Okay, we had about, I think about five or six guinea pigs. They are large hamsters. But I don't want anybody to think that we did any harm okay. to the guinea pigs. I loved the guinea pigs. I love all animals. And unfortunately, they had a slightly premature death. But not because they were being got rid, 
ready for cooking or anything. Wait, that's not true. That's exactly what was happening. Dad had guinea pigs in our house because he was planning on cooking them Peruvian style, squashed on a plate. And uh, then our uh, sad Sri Lankan uh, cleaner accidentally, while she was trying to convince us not to eat them, please don't eat them, Adrian, she used to say, she accidentally poisoned them all with uh, washing up powder and then they died and so we couldn't eat them. I was never going to allow that to happen. I don't think you controlled that very well. To <laughs> in, in the end, that's another story. In the end, though, you're right, they did get an early death we because also they did were kept have, on the floor. We also did have pigs that were kept in a friend's farm called Lunch and Dinner. That's true, that's true. Those we did keep for specifically for eating. And can I say, Flora, you were the least likely person to turn into a vegetarian when you were eight or nine years old. You loved those pigs almost as much as you loved the moment when your father killed them. Yeah, it was just as... it was. I know, it makes me sound so... That's my earliest childhood memories of stirring pig's blood. It does not make me look great. You've got a long way to go to join the Bosch boys in their commitment. I keep on seeing uh, there's always the occasional influencer that claims to be a vegan and then gets caught in a restaurant eating fish or called out somewhere. Yeah. So I just want to make it clear, I'm, I'm very trying to be a flexitarian. If you see me eating steak tartare in a restaurant, I will not apologise. Yeah, fair enough. We have sausages for dinner tonight, Flora. It was interesting hearing from Ian that he comes from a family of farmers, that his grandparents were farmers, especially as our next guest joining us now is a recent farmer. You might not know him as that. It's uh, Jeremy Clarkson, who's the journalist, car enthusiast... Um, who's going to be talking to us about his views on veganism, which I don't think are the same as the Bosch boys. I cannot imagine a less likely vegan or vegetarian, but let's see what Jeremy has to say. So I am currently not looking at mum next to me uh, in her basement, but on video because uh, we've had to delay this recording by a couple of days as Jeremy was busy harvesting his farm uh, when we did our first recording. Great to see you on video, Flora. I'm sorry not to be sitting next to you, uh, but you know what? You still need to brush your hair, but maybe Jeremy won't mind when he comes and joins us on this video call. <laughs> just, I should have just, should have blurred this, should have turned off the video. Error, error on my part. Okay, so now we're joined by Jeremy Clarkson, who's a broadcaster, journalist, writer, uh, often talks a lot about cars, um, but today he's going to be talking to us a bit about uh, vegetarianism or meat eating. Am I? That's good. (laughs) Mum, over to you. Jeremy, you have a reputation for perhaps not being an enthusiast for environmental issues and for vegetarianism and veganism but i think that might have changed recently yes i've come to understand that um, vegetarianism is extremely bad for the planet and people must eat meat as often as possible why do you think it's bad for the planet oh it is uh, make no mistake any farmer will tell you one of the biggest crises we're facing at the moment in this country is the soil will be dead and worthless in maybe 90 or 100 years and in order to keep the soil healthy we must keep animals and the only way you can make keeping animals sensible is to eat them. But surely the number of animals that we eat, the amount of meat that we get through as a planet is just astronomical. And we've all seen cowspiracy and all that thing. Surely that is incredibly damaging to the environment. No, lefties make lots of documentaries that make um, meat farming look evil and terrible. But the vast majority of meat farming in this country is not evil and terrible at all. I would say it's nothing wrong with being a part-time vegetarian. 
I mean, I struggle sometimes to eat pork because I like pigs. But I force it down for the good of the country um, and the planet. Yes, I wanted to ask that. Don't you get attached to the animals that you farm and um, well, find it rather speak, difficult to eat them? As we speak, 30 of my lambs, some of which I delivered, are going off to the slaughterhouse. We should say that you've recently taken on being a farmer, basically. You are living the farmer's life. I haven't driven a car or written about a car for a, a year or more. No, not a year. We're talking about three months or more. Feels like a year, but it is only three months. But you are you are surrounded by quite a few vegetarians. I think Hammond and May have now gone veggie, haven't they? And you've got some vegetarians in your family. I think you're right. I think May largely is a vegetarian, but then he also claims he doesn't smoke, but he does. I'm not quite sure what James's current dietary preferences are. Hammond, well, he doesn't really eat much of anything at all. But if you've got an illness issue, that's fair enough. And if you've got a Oh, aren't animals sweet? That's fair enough. But to do it for political reasons or the environmental reasons is idiotic. But there is a point, isn't there, about sort of good farmers and bad farmers or good meat and bad meat. It seems like every few years we get uh, regaled by factory farming or how terrible some, like the Americans treat some of the cows. There's an intensity about farming which puts people off. Um, but can the type of farming that you're doing and that so many organic farmers are trying to do, is that actually going to be sufficient to feed people. What about what do you think about this balance between trying to get enough meat to actually feed people and us wanting to have healthy animals to eat? Well, there's a there's a number of issues there. There's it's really the co- it's the amount of money people are prepared to pay for a lamb chop or a slice of bacon. If you want cheap food, then there is you're going to import it from countries where there are giant factories farming meat. But if you want to eat well-raised animals, you're going to have to pay a little bit more. It's just as simple as that. I can't see any way around that. And the other issue is, can we feed the world? If I go to one more restaurant and watch one more fatty kid pushing his food to the side of his plate saying, I don't like that, I'm going to rub it in his hair. Because having spent a year farming, you now realise just how much goes into it. Just, well, people buy a loaf of bread and they go, oh, it's gone stale, I'll throw it in the bin. Do you know how much work I put into making that bread? So if people ate what was on their plate and ate less and paid a bit more, we wouldn't be having this debate. But isn't it interesting that nevertheless, vegetarianism is growing? Um, You know, in in the days when perhaps, Jeremy, you and I were at Flora's age, there was one chain of vegetarian Mm. restaurants called Cranks. Oh, I remember that. (laughs) The the name sort of slightly suggests... Cranks is another word for idiots, isn't it? (laughs) I'm afraid so. Or loony. Yeah. Um, and now it's like everywhere. I mean, it's, it's become such a popular thing. I have to tell you, we have a, had a conversation just now with two young men who are called the Bosch Boys, and they've done a series of um, books about healthy eating, vegetarian, vegan eating, and they're quite convincing about it on so many different levels. I've got that. Trying to sort of. I've got that. Oh, book. you do have that book. <laughs> you haven't tried I didn't any know of them on the radio then. show, but their book is here. Oh, no, your enemy and everything. <laughs> no, I can't. I won't eat vegetarian foods. Just, it's, vegetables are an accompaniment to food. They're not food itself. I mean, I'm growing acres and acres of vegetables, and they're delicious when you have a lamb chop with them. So you, don't have, you, don't have any, you haven't had any good vegan meals? No. Uh, my oldest daughter takes me to a restaurant she loves in, in London, um, in Notting Hill, and it's the, I cannot find a single thing on the menu that I want to order. Nothing. Last time I came straight out, went up the road to Delsford and had to eat there because there was nothing I can eat. 
Uh, I watched a video of you uh, eating an incredible burger or trying to decide which was the incredible burger and which was the real burger. And at the beginning, you took the first bait, bite and you said, oh, I'm really sorry if you're a beef farmer. That's troubling news if that's the that's the beef one. And then you quickly realized the other one was the oh, incredible I tried the one, first one and said, oh, you can relax. Yeah. Yeah. No, I tried the first one and it was delicious. It was a very nice burger. I thought, oh, heavens, if that's bake, as you say. That would then the beef industry's in big trouble here, and <clears throat> we must all switch to going soya or whatever they make it out of. Um, but then I tried the second one, and it was like eating petrol. So, do you think farmers have anything to worry about if these fake burgers get better? Well, I can't understand why vegetarians want to eat something that looks like meat. Why can't you just eat a carrot and say it's a carrot, and I'll eating a carrot or a, or a cauliflower? You know, I don't think right. I'm going to dress my bacon up to look like a grapefruit. I think they're trying to persuade those of us who are sceptical about vegetarianism um, to come their way by persuading us to try their veg- veggie version of the meat burger. It doesn't do any good. Vegetarianism is an individual choice, but as a global thing, it's silly. Why do you think it's silly? Do you not think it would help environmentally if all the world... I mean, we no. can still rear animals, but... What's the point of rearing animals? <laughs> Farming's difficult enough as it is. You say you've got to rear animals, but then you must just give them warm, comfortable beds to sleep in. You must never kill them or eat them. It's not going to work. Jeremy, on an, on um, the YouTube channel that, that you do, the Drive Tribe, I heard you say to your producer, Andy Willman, uh, if you know any vegetarians, cut them out your address book. They are not nice people. But you must have, you must have some exceptions to that yourself. Well, that's using hyperbole to make a point. Of course, I like my, I love my daughter very much, and she is a vegetableist. Um, and I'm living at the moment with three vegetableists in the house. And for supper last night, I had marrow, and that's it. No meat with it? No, don't worry. I got up early this morning to have a bacon sandwich. <laughs> it's all about How that. many times do you think you eat meat during the day? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or just breakfast and dinner? Uh, no, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with snacks. <laughs> So a little sausage roll here and there, a pork pie perhaps with the ploughman's. Flora once kept um, two pigs with Adrian, which were called lunch and dinner, to warm her up for her role of eating lots of meat. Yeah, but that would put you off. I had a girlfriend once who had two sheep called Penny and Tuckness, and she came home one night and they were on the table. I mean, and she was a vegetarian as a result of that. Don't your ears pick up a bit, though, when people say, oh, I became vegetarian, I've never felt so well. You know, it's extraordinary effect on my personal health. Those articles seem to come thick and fast. But it was so pallid and thin and wasted and unintelligent. Just that sort of drawn, haggard. They've all got alopecia. You need a big steak and a nice big glass of red wine. Well, it keeps you happy. I once interviewed a French dietitian on healthy eating, and he said, always eat sitting down, always laugh when you eat, don't eat with ugly people, eat the fat from birds and drink red wine, but not too much. And then I argued with him and said, you being sensible. And he just produced the copy of the Toulouse local paper where the obituary column, the youngest death that week had been 102. Well, I thought he was completely convincing too. I'm worried I'm so suggestible in my old age. Um, you know, having spoken to Jeremy and the way he farms, I think, is particularly uh, convincing that he's uh, it sounds like he's effectively an organic farmer farming carefully, looking after the animals um, that I it makes me think that um, I want to make sure that we continue to have good meat farming in the UK. 
I love that after you spoke to the Bosch boys, you were basically convinced to start going or trying to be a bit more vegetarian. Now you've spoken to Jeremy, you're like, mm, or the steak. That's <laughs> <laughs> very well, on the one hand, on the other hand, but I, can I not have it both ways, Flora? Because the real message I took from the Bosch boys was meat as a treat or just a bit less meat. And with Jeremy, even though Jeremy may have um, meat three times a day, I think I can enjoy some bacon from his pigs and some cutlets from his lambs, but perhaps not quite as much as I was in the past in order to make sure that I support the environmental arguments that the Bosch boys are making too. Yeah, my, my worry is always that people end up uh, justifying eating meat by saying, oh, we'll only eat organic, nicely raised, expensive meat, which is basically only then allows meat eating for people that can afford to eat this more expensive meat. And then we just expect everybody that can't afford it to not everyone that can't pay for the most expensive it just becomes you know meat for rich people and vegetarian for not it, it's it seems unfair but i think that if you're going to go with the way of meat as a treat then inevitably you've got to treat it as something that is more expensive than a vegetable meal and more special because it is a special thing rather than something which is part of the everyday meals and i think that it's inevitable that it's going to be more expensive than vegetables and slightly more expensive expensive than you would like it to be. And that was one of the themes that came out of the great expose on chicken battery farming, is that if you want your chicken to have had some sort of uh, free range life, then it's going to be more expensive than the one that is just squashed into the battery and never goes outside. And I think in truth, if people think about it, they don't really want to eat chicken like that, but they are incredibly cheap if you just rear them like that. But you have to give people a choice and show them what the impact of one type of farming compared to another. But I agree with you, Fora. There is a social justice issue, which is that well-reared meat is going to be more expensive. I think it's difficult that um, I'm not sure the Bosch boys and Jeremy would ever have reached an agreement, would ever have convinced the other one, because everyone seems so taken with their facts and their data and there doesn't seem to be an agreement on what is correct i mean jeremy kind of just referred to cowspiracy as lefty propaganda i think or whatever it was there's there's really it's hard to have the have the debate on equal level level when you both think the other one is just spewing nonsense so true it's like it's like so many different issues in in politics as well as in different sort of main arguments that one side just holds on to the facts that support their view and the other side holds on to theirs. But I think there might be a chink of light there, Flora, a chink of light with Jeremy when he talks about his daughter. If his own daughter takes him to vegetarian restaurants, maybe she will have an impact on him, just as you, in a very minor way, have an impact on me. <laughs> You've been listening to Split Opinion with Flora Gill and Amber Rudd. It's a Wireless Studios production for Times Radio, produced by Ben Mitchell. Tune in to Times Radio every Sunday at 7pm to hear us live. And you can download the podcast to listen on demand. We're available at Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and from the shiny new Times Radio app.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.